broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Yeah, man, here we go. Raider Nation, we're back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for the next three hours. Well, actually... Two hours and 20 minutes as we'll be getting off a little bit earlier. Aviators baseball will be on these airways. Of course, they're the AAA team for the A's. Not going to say the Oakland A's. I'm going to say the A's. They are the AAA affiliate, and they are here on this airway. So they'll start at 420 this afternoon. But we're with you for the next two hours and 20 minutes. Got a lot to get to as we continue. This is day four of Unnecessary Roughness NFL Draft, Mock Draft. 2023. We're up to pick number 12, which is the Houston Texans. They're back on the clock, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, we're not going to call John McClain. We're not going to call Landry Locker. Had him on earlier this week, so we don't need to get another Texans preview. I think we're pretty well informed on what the Houston Texans are going to do. But since he was up on the clock at number 12, I did send a text message to him just to say, hey, you know, at 12 with our board looking like this, where would you go? And of course, our board, as it was sitting before number 12, Bryce Young went number one to the Carolina Panthers. C.J. Stroud, number two to the Houston Texans. Then Will Anderson, Arizona Cardinals. Anthony Richardson to the Colts. Jalen Carter to the Seahawks. Tyree Wilson to the Lions. Christian Gonzalez, picked by our very own Ed Graney, went number seven to the Raiders. B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas, went to the Falcons. Peter Skaronski, offensive lineman to the Bears. Nolan Smith, edge to the Eagles. And then Jackson Smith in Jigba, wide receiver to the Tennessee Titans. So the Houston Texans were on the board at number 12, and I hit up John and said, okay, who are you taking? And what he said first, Damon, and this is going to actually lead into our topic that we have on the show today, is I don't think they're taking Stroud at number two. That was his first response. Not giving me the answer to who's gonna who they are going to take, Lindsay. The hell of a response. <laughs> his, answer was, his answer was, I don't think they're taking Stroud. So that already kind of throws a monkey wrench into what could potentially be the draft. And the reason I say it throws a monkey wrench in, it's one thing if, DeMond, you say, I don't think the Texans are taking Stroud. And that's no disrespect to you. Of course. But you're and not you're the general. Integrity. You're not we the general. You. You're not the general, right? I mean, you're not the guy who's, who's <laughs> all over the team like a glove. And no disrespect to Lindsay if she said, yeah, I don't think they're taking C.J. Stroud. Again, I understand that, and I respect that. Sure. But it's not John McClain. So when John McClain says, yeah, I don't think that, especially when we've had him on week after week after week after week since the offseason has begun, and he said they're going to take whatever quarterback the Carolina Panthers don't take, and now all of a sudden, a week from today, the first round is going on, and he says, yeah, I don't think they're taking C.J. Stroud. I don't think they're taking C.J. Stroud. Is it as good as gospel to you then at this point? I just feel like it's going to throw a monkey wrench. There's a, there's a team that could potentially throw a monkey wrench, which leads me to my topic, mm. the show topic of the show, because that's what I do. And, of course, I'll let you know the guests that we have coming up in a hot minute. But before we even jump into the opening drive, I just want to get it in your eardrum, you know, start to think about it a little bit. Where do you think the biggest surprise or shock will come from in next week's draft? It is one week from today. We'll be in Kansas City. What team will cause the most confusion, havoc, or even mess? Just all-around mess. In next week's draft. That's the question that I throw out there to you on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, when we don't have a guest, 702-365-9200. So, I ask you one, Demond Cotton, sitting behind the wheels of steel here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. 
Who do you think throws a monkey wrench or a little bit of a havoc into the upcoming draft next week? Well, with this new knowledge of John McClain not thinking that the Texans are so sure on C.J. Stroud, I think it could be the Houston Texans. Because if they're a team that's, hey, we're going to rebuild, maybe they do like Will Anderson, but what if they trade back from number two? What if they want to say, hey, they got picks for next year's draft? What if they say, hey, we'll be the Oklahoma City Thunder of the NFL and we'll just they amass have picks? They 12 <laughs> picks this year. And let's say they want to amass some for this year mm-hmm. and maybe get a first-rounder for next year. If that could be a real monkey wrench, if they say, hey, we'll be fine with, let's say, if we trade with the Tennessee Titans, trading inside the division maybe. Yeah. Let's say if they say, we'll be fine, we can get somebody off the edge at 11 that we think will be an okay player. So they trade back to number 11. The Titans move up to two. I think that'll be the monkey wrench if someone wants to trade for number two. See, that's the team, the one that you just mentioned, the Tennessee Titans in there at 11. That's the team I was looking at. That's the team that I said, you know what, they're going to get – they're going to get a little froggy, and they're going to leap. They're going to leap up to number three. I wasn't thinking all the way to number two because they are a division foe in Houston. Because they think they're close? I think they need to get that quarterback because right. Malik Willis ain't it. Right. right? They gotta, they're trying to maximize whatever window is left with Derrick Henry and everything else. Right. So we're going to go with a quick, young quarterback on a cheap deal and hopefully be able to hit that way. That, that part, exactly. So my team that I think is going to throw the whole draft into a loop while I'm standing there in front of the stage next Thursday, the 27th, Kansas City, Missouri, is going to be the Tennessee Titans for me. For you, you got the Houston Texans. So, Lindsey, all eyes on you, like Pac would say. Right on. <laughs> he wouldn't say right on. Are you sure? <laughs> Are we sure? Are we positive? I'm not Go positive. Wait, there's a, isn't, isn't, there, isn't there a Netflix special coming out or something coming out? It's on a Hulu documentary. Is, is, no, it's not, no, no, it's not Hulu. It's on, like, real people TV. We mean real, real people, people TV. That is real TV. people TV. No, that's something else. No, no, like real people. Like you turn the TV on like and it's AMC's on. Doing like you it. don't have to go on an app. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it's like FX. FX, FX sound like yeah. Sounds like FX and Hulu. They're basically house. synonymous in the uh, new yeah. ABC oh, deal. Oh, so now you want to hit us with big words? So, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. The brand, the brand synergy is all there together. Okay, I've said one more. Give us one more fifty dollar word. Go ahead. I mean, what's? I mean, I don't want to be pedantic or nothing. Congratulations. Look at that. <laughs> Put it on a poster up Damon on the wall. Cotton, ladies and gentlemen, one UNLV grad. So who do you have, Lindsay? I'm going to look at it from the other side because your two teams are really desperate to make something happen versus the Seattle Seahawks, I think, are going to be mm. one of those teams that can take advantage of those desperate teams by having a, a, a fit, the fifth overall pick, the 20th overall pick in the first round. Obviously, uh, that, that fifth overall is from the Broncos. And... Are they going to go to a quarterback? Well, they could, but they also could not. And so right. you have some teams that you can kind of deke out and see if you can get them to, to make a deal that's going to make you a little bit richer. But they're also a pretty solid team on the defense, except in the linebacker group. And so they don't really have that spot where we need to fill this now. And so I think they can be a broker of sorts. I like it. I do. And I think you're right. Seattle is in a good position. One, they have two picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. And again, they're a playoff team that's picking at five. Yeah. Right. When in does a that soft happen? Division. Right. I mean, when do you make the playoffs and you pick at five? Because you, like you said, you had that first round pick from Denver, so they can do a lot of different things. They can get a little freaky, right? I mean, on our mark draft, they have we have them taking Jalen Carter, but they could easily go with a quarterback at the position. They can right. go with a DB. They could trade back. They could do a whole lot of different things. So they can also uh, flip things upside down. We got a text already on our don'tbebroke.com text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. We do appreciate you, Jordan Southern Utah. I'm calling that the Colts will take Will Levis. Even after all the radio silence and the media media falling out of love with him and him no longer being considered a top pick, I still think the Colts shock some people and Richardson will slip out of the top 10. Ooh. Wow. That's a hot take. I like it. 
I like it, though. He, he's got a little theory. He's got a little method to the madness. Just because it's quiet around you now doesn't mean that the teams are quiet on you. It's just. That's true. It's just we're not talking. Remember, we were talking about Will Levis a lot yeah, in the, in the about beginning three of this process. Ago, yeah. Right. And now it's all of a sudden it's kind of like it's quiet. So. There you go. I, I like that. That's that's uh, some really good stuff. Uh, Q, I just want to add, because we do have a guest coming up here, we haven't gotten to John McClain's actual pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You know what that means, Lindsay? You what know what that was? That was like, hey, Q. Can you speed this thing yeah, up here? <laughs> the maestro over there. He's like, I don't mind all the song and dance, but can you get on with the damn thing? All right, look, whining and dining is fine, but still. All right, so John McClain with the number 12 overall pick for the Houston Texans went with Lucas Van Ness. Edge rusher, edge rusher huh. out of Iowa. Guy who's got, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. He wasn't even a starter. Think about this. This is a guy that could get drafted early. It wasn't even a starter because they didn't they didn't have him Typically in reserved that kind to of rotation. Alabama recruits, not from Iowa. Right, but he's he's a dude that could play, and I know that there's a lot of Raider Nation that likes Lucas Van Ness as well, and Iowa's got some players, man. Iowa's got some players that they're putting into the league. Uh, Jack Campbell, obviously, is a linebacker from Iowa, so he's going to be a guy that's going to hear his name called pretty early, I believe, on day two. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lucas Van Ness is a nice pick. So John McClain penciled him in at number 12, but that C.J. Stroud doesn't believe that they're going to take him at number two is very, very intriguing and very, very interesting. So the question I want to throw out there to you, and you can hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Where do you think the big surprise or shock will come from in next week's draft? Like, what team is going to cause the most confusion, havoc, even mess, if you want to call it that, coming up next week? Let us know at the text line again, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up with our first guest, how about the Jets? Are the Jets a team that can throw this whole thing into a mix? They're still, waiting, they're on desperate? Their, they're still waiting on their veteran quarterback. <laughs> That's everything. That's everything. And, and, and a team that has been vastly improved from just a couple seasons ago. I'm a huge believer in Robert Sala and, and what he's been able to build up as a program. And, uh, I mean, what a contentious division that is as well. It is. And I'm very interested, what is plan B? And we have Rich Samini coming up from ESPN to talk all things J-E-T-S, Jets. But I'm very intrigued on what's plan B. Like, Aaron Rodgers is plan A and probably plan B as well. Right. But what, just say, for S's and giggles, what if it doesn't shake out and he doesn't get traded there, right? Well, they let Mike White walk, right? <laughs> so he's gone. Right? Zach Wilson, he's going to compete. He's going to give Aaron Rodgers or whoever hell every day. And yeah. so I guess he is plan B. Well, we will find out right now as we jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And kicking off our opening drive, Rich Samini from ESPN joins us now on the phone lines. And Rich, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And before we get into what's going to happen with the draft potentially for the Jets at number 13 overall, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers and this saga, this back and forth uh, how much longer do you think this is going to go before it becomes official that he's a Jet? Well, it could go to August, conceivably. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to go that long. I think I think there's a good chance that this thing gets wrapped up uh, the first or second day of the draft, hopefully. It's been going on seemingly forever. So, uh, yeah, once you have this sense of urgency of the draft, I think that both sides will be more motivated to get it done. What do you feel like is the biggest hang-up as far as, is it on the Jets' side with not wanting to give up 13? Or I, I know they said that they're not giving up 13, but is it on the Jets' side or is it more on Green Bay's side trying to figure out what they exactly want? Yeah, I think it's more on the next year's compensation. I, I think the Jets will probably end up giving up one of their second-rounders this year. And then next year appears to be where the holdup is. I think I think the Packers are probably looking for a first rounder next year, 
I think the Jets want some protection on the back end of it, just in case Rodgers decides to retire after one year. So I think it's more the future compensation that's the holdup. Rich Samini is our guest from ESPN on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Lindsay's got one for you. The Jets' offense loves the shotgun formation, thank God, because so does Aaron Rodgers, loves to escape and draw out those plays. But how confident are you in the current build of the offensive line and their ability to maintain an Aaron Rodgers custom pocket? Yeah, well, that's a big question. Uh, you know, their offensive line was was ravaged by injuries last year, and uh, so they got a lot of guys coming off some major surgeries. Their depth is not great. Uh, Makai Becton, their number one pick in 2020, basically hasn't played in two years because of two knee surgeries. I'm told he's doing really well. He's lost a lot of weight, and he's uh, trying to regain a starting job, but I think it's absolutely a need for the Jets. I, I think they need two starters. I think they need a center and a tackle. So it's going to be a big priority going into the draft. So with the draft coming up, do you see that offensive line being that, not saying that anything could happen in the draft, but they should be looking at a first-rounder being offensive lineman? Yeah, I think from based on uh, conversations I've had with uh, a bunch of people around the league, I think the overwhelming expectation is that the Jets are going to draft one of those tackles at 13 could also see them trading back a little bit. I, I think they feel that they could get uh, a good player if they move down a few spots and pick up some extra draft picks. But if they stay at 13, I, I you know, I, you never say you're totally certain because Joe Douglas, I think he tends to draft more for best player as opposed to need. So there's always the chance as a curveball. But I think right now I would say offensive line. Rich, speaking of curveballs, I want to throw you one. Is there any chance that the Jets could trade up and maybe get a quarterback that they're seeing starting to fall a little bit in next week's draft? No, I don't. I do not see that happening. That would <laughs> not go over that well. Be, that, that would be a curveball, all right. Right. Um, that, that would be. Uh, you know, we'd have to be checking for some sticky stuff if the Jets uh, threw, threw that kind of curveball because, uh, you know, look, they have, they're claiming they're sticking with Zach Wilson as their backup. Uh, he's still under contract for two more years. They say they want to continue to work with him. Uh, look, I, I don't believe he's ever going to be their starting quarterback again. They, they're not going to trade him because he basically has no trade value now. So I think they'll keep him as their backup. And I just don't think it would – I just cannot see them investing all that money in Aaron Rodgers and then going and trading up for a quarterback this year and then having to pay off Wilson. It's just too much quarterback. And then throughout the rest of the money, throughout the rest of the draft, the Jets were the team last year where everyone said, "Hey, this would be a great team if only they had the quarterback." So, what are some of those needs that they could pick up maybe a little later, second, third round in the draft? Well, they definitely need a safety, I think, for the future. Not so much to come in this year, but they need a linebacker. You know, right now they only have two starters under contract at linebacker. So I think that's an area where they could go. I mentioned earlier center and offensive tackle are two big needs. And this is a team that will always draft the defensive lineman. It's just Robert Sala. It's in his uh, DNA. The Jets like to rotate eight linemen throughout the course of the game, sometimes nine. I think it was even a game last year where they had 10 defensive linemen dressed. So I could, I could totally see that happening, uh, a defensive lineman at some point in the draft. Well, and that's an area that they excel in, as you mentioned. But if there's an area of, a, of the field or a situation that this vaunted defense could improve in that you would think would have a big impact on their drive-by-drive results, where would it be? 
Well, they're a pretty good defense. I mean, they finished fourth last year in total defense. Right. I think arguably the best cornerback or one of the best cornerback tandems in the league with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Um, like I said, I think the one thing they're missing on defense, they need a ball hawking safety. You know, that guy who can play center field and just show a lot of range. They really don't have that, but I, I don't think they're going to spend a lot to get it. Right, right now, their two safeties are Jordan Whitehead and they picked up Chuck Clark from uh, Baltimore in a trade. They're basically the same player. You know, they're two strong safeties, so they don't have that quintessential free safety so maybe they draft one in the fourth or fifth round but i don't think it's really a high priority in their opinion talking all things jets right now with rich samini from espn here on radio nation radio 920 unnecessary roughness i know this is a tall task but i mean joe douglas hit it out the park last last year right in his draft i'm not i know that it's impossible to to keep duplicating draft after draft after draft but i mean what does he do for an encore performance i mean how how does he how does he continue to have that consistency in the draft and really uh build up the talent stock on this jets team yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, it's going to be hard. To, I mean, they had the two rookies of the year last year with Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner, and they, they might have had a third guy competing for rookie of the year if Brees Hall didn't get hurt in October. Uh, it would have been three really outstanding rookies. And so, yeah, you don't expect that to happen every year. In fact, it's only happened, I think that was the third time in the last 60 years mm. that a team had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. So, really a once-a-generational type thing. Um, you know. And Joe Douglas's drafts have been getting better. The first draft in 2020 it was pretty poor. Second year got a little better, and then last year they hit it out of the park. So I, I, think, you know, I think some of those picks are going to be going to Green Bay. Like I said earlier, they're going to lose, I think, a second-round pick to Green Bay and possibly something else later in the draft. So they're not going to have as much draft capital as they've had in the past. But, uh, you know, if they hit on a couple of big ones, they should be in decent shape. You've reported that defensive tackle Quinnen Williams is not going to report to offseason workouts until he can get a new contract. The Jets exercise That was the guy option. that got away. That's the guy that got, got away. away. And One Q knows. Soon. Yep. And Q knows that the Raiders need a big defensive tackle to shore up that defensive line. Do you think that there's any scenario in which the Jets trade away Quinnen Williams? No way. No. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. <laughs> he's, he's, their, he's probably their best player or second best player on the team. Uh, they are in active negotiations. This is not a case where they're so far apart that they're not even talking. Uh, this is not a Jamal Adams situation. You, you guys will recall, what was it, like two or three mm-hmm. years ago, they, you know, Adams, they were just so far apart on the money that Adams requested a trade, and then, of course, they got two first-rounders for him, which was an absolute steal from the Jets' perspective. But this is not that case. It's not acrimonious. The two sides are are talking on a fairly regular basis. I don't think anything's imminent in terms of a deal, but I I do think before the season starts that they should have Quinnen locked up to a a long-term extension. And then, as in your article, you mentioned it's a defensive tackle gold rush, as we say. Well, Jeffrey Simmons also get a big new deal down in Tennessee. So what do you think the numbers would look like for Quinnen? Quinnen's going to get uh, a deal very similar to Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, all those guys have been it's, – it's like a can you top this scenario now with all the defensive tackles. The number keeps on creeping up. You know, you had Simmons at $23.5 million per year. I suspect Quinnen to come in right around there you know, maybe slightly higher. 
You know, you also have Dexter Lawrence from the Giants, who's in the same boat. I know that his agents, you know, deep into negotiations with the Giants, so that deal could happen at any time. And so, yeah, I mean, they're kind of leapfrogging each other now. No one's going to go past Aaron Donald, who's up around $31 million a year, but I think someone's going to hit the 24 mark, and that could be Quinton Williams. All right, Rich. This is the time. This is your time, Rich. We need that 13th pick. Who do you got? Yeah, I love that sound. Uh, (laughs) So at 13, and to be redundant, you know, we talked about the offensive line, so we're going to go offensive line here and take Broderick Jones from Georgia. Nice. All right. Yeah, he's a he's a. He's inexperienced. He's only started one year at left tackle at Georgia, but he's got a lot of upside, really great athlete, kind of reminiscent of a former left tackle the Jets had for many years, the Brickishaw Ferguson, Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, lean, long athlete, and uh, I I think that would be the way they'd go. That's a good pick. It really is, and especially with Aaron Rodgers getting him in the mix. you got to protect him, right? He's not going to just be running around the yard, so you want to protect him. There's some nice weapons. It's nice. I mean, Rich, as I don't have to tell you, you've been covering the team for a long time, but it's awesome to look out and see the Jets be a really good team and know that they've got a lot of young talent, so they have a potential to be really good for quite a while. Yeah, as long as they get this Rodgers thing. Well, you know, Rodgers is only going to play for a year or two. Right. But, uh, yes, they do have some uh, some younger guys coming up. Uh, like I mentioned, the Sauce and, and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker, a really good offensive lineman. And so they do have some, some real good young players that are coming up. And, you know, but it all comes down to quarterback play. And if they get Rodgers, I think they'll be a playoff team this year. Yeah, they very well could. They've got a nice, young, like I said, talented roster. And, and Rodgers, we know what he can do when he's, uh, he's out there and he's got his mind where he wants his mind to be. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out and plays out. The draft is next week, and we'll see if uh, Aaron Rodgers is officially a Jet before it actually takes place. But uh, the good stuff, Rich. We definitely appreciate you. What you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, we'll have more on Rodgers. What a shock coming up in the <laughs> next few days. And uh, some stuff about p- potential picks for the Jets. There you go. Well, great stuff. That sounds good. Rich, thanks so much, my man. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too, brother. Rich Samini right there. ESPN at Rich Samini on Twitter. And uh, I think that that's a good pick. You know, the offensive lineman out of Georgia. Yeah. Uh, again, he's only been that left tackle spot for, uh, you know, a year. But, I mean, Lindsay, you've got to, you know, I mean, you talk about the trenches all the time. You've got to. You've got to build up the trenches, take care of that quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. It's similar to what we talk about when it comes to the Raiders and Jimmy G. Like you got to make sure he's protected. The mm-hmm. offensive line did good for the Raiders last year. Obviously, Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, but you still got to protect that asset, which is the quarterback. So if you're going to bring in Rodgers, you know he's only got a year or two left, max. Right. Got to protect him. Well, it's the definition of long-term investment. You're going to be protecting Aaron Rodgers, but then whoever comes out next to him, and you can kind of create you know, the line in, in his image. Does he like to go more left than his right? Does he like to turn here? Does he want hands up high so the guy, when a guy makes contact with him, it's a little bit lower? Like, all these things uh, can be custom-made, especially when you're picking him in the first round. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll put that up on the board. Broderick Jones uh, out of uh, Georgia, the offensive lineman. He's going up on the board at number 13 to the J-E-T-S Jets. Still on the way on the show. Coming up, matter of fact, next, former Raider wide receiver Jacoby Ford. He was picked in 2010 in the fourth round out of Clemson. We'll talk to him about the whole draft process. Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. He'll join us at 3 o'clock to give the Patriots pick at 14. Peter Bukowski, our good friend from Locked On Packers. You think he'll have something to say about Aaron Rodgers? He'll join us at 3.30 to give us pick number 15. And then we'll close things out today with Tiffany McNiff, Raiderette director. Uh, They're actually looking for Raiderette. So, Demi, where's Demi? Jason, where's Demi? Vegas Jess, where's Demi? 
They're looking for Raider Ritz. So uh, we'll talk to Tiffany McNiff at 4 o'clock. We'll close things out. But we'll also hear from you on the phone lines and the text line, 69187-keyword-R&R, and the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. In a matter of minutes, we'll have former Raider wide receiver, fourth round draft pick in the 2010 draft, Jacoby Ford. Out of Clemson, he'll join the show in just a matter of minutes. But uh, we throw the question out there to you. Where do you think the biggest surprise or shock will come from in next week's draft? What team will cause the most confusion? A little bit of chaos, a little havoc, even mess you can call it. Kind of make everyone say, whoa, I didn't see that coming. We'd love to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R. That's text line. Mailman Raider said, yo, Q, I know it's a new staff, but if history repeats itself, It'll be us causing the stir up with the pick at number seven in the 2023 draft. The Raiders select Bijan Robinson, running back out of Texas, then trade Josh Jacobs away and get back into the first and take your guy Forbes out of Mississippi State. I don't think that that's going to be happening. I believe that Dave Ziegler, uh, the GM of the Silver and Black, will be a lot smarter than uh, you know than what is expected, you know, or, or, or what has happened. What has happened in the past? So you can keep those uh, texts coming at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. We'll get to your phone calls when we don't have a guest, but we do have a guest right now. We're pleased to have on the phone lines former Raider wide receiver Jacoby Ford, a fourth round pick in twenty ten. And Jacoby, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And of course, we're a week away from the draft, so wanted to get your thoughts on, on the draft. And first off, how much has it changed since you were going through the process and ultimately being selected in twenty ten to where it is right now? Um. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, I, I definitely think it's changed, uh, changed for the better. Uh, I mean, you know, you always want to evolve. You always want to make it different, you know, because it, it was always just known for being in New York. But now that they move it to different places, I think that's uh, that's, that's very unique, very different. And, you know, it, it, it makes it fun, and, and it always brings a lot of different energy to to those cities. And, you know, I definitely think it's to get a little culture to every, everywhere else in, in, um, in the United States. You know, we get a lot of access. I feel like we get to hear these guys be interviewed by different people. Sometimes we get that opportunity. We'll be in Kansas City next week when the draft is going on, so I'll get to talk to uh-huh. a few guys. But in general, what is it like? I mean, how stressful is it for a player that's going through it? You've put all the work in on film already, but now you've got to go through a couple months leading up to the draft kind of proving who you are, like selling who you are to these teams. Yeah, most definitely. You know, everything is the interview process. Uh, starts from the uh, the senior bowl um, all the way to the combine um, to after uh, to whether you either you have five visits after or whether you have two or none. Um, I found out that didn't even matter because I didn't even visit the Raiders at all. Uh, <laughs> never had a call from them. Never talked to them uh, ever. And um, you know, you, and then you kind of get your grade um, up up to it and where you're kind of expected to go and you know, you never can. And what I learned, you, you, you can't predict these things. Um, everything is just kind of like just where you kind of fit. And, you know, I thought I would go uh, the second day, and I didn't. You know, so I was definitely upset. And, you know, for me, I was just laying in bed and 
to see a 510 number pop up, and that was Tom Cable asked me, do I want to be a Raider? A Raider? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Again, Jacoby Ford, former Raider wide receiver, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that process a little bit more because you said like you know where you're kind of slotted to go or projected to go. So maybe day one you're thinking, hey, this isn't going to be my time. But after you see like day two, the guys getting picked ahead of you, especially at the receiver, is that competitive edge, did that come out a little bit? Like, oh, I know he ain't better than me, and he got drafted <laughs> above me? It definitely, 110% it does. Uh, and, and, th- and those are things that definitely went through my head. Um, and I was, I was dumbfounded. And I just didn't understand why. Um, but, you know, I was like, was, is it because of my height? You know, I definitely thought I put on a good show at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, uh, at my pro day from what I could do just because it was a, a thunderstorm out there. Um, but, you know, everything was a process, man, and I was definitely grateful and just, just was obviously just, just humbled and honored just to still get my name called and you know to come across that screen and still share it with my family. Now, Jacoby, I want to ask you a little bit about the philosophy of playing the wide receiver position just as a, as a physical person because I played goalie in hockey, which is a lot of precise movement that's timing and rhythm-based, a lot like a wide receiver, but your body control has to be off the charts. But when you look at these prospects and their bodies, how do you evaluate their ability not just to hit the brakes but maintain their speed? Uh, it's been amazing, you know, down here this year, we've had a, this is probably our strongest group of receivers we had over here at XPE. XPE. Um, you know, we had A.T. Perry, we had Josh Downs, we had Jordan Addison, uh, just a couple guys to name. And just to see those guys getting in and out of their cuts and their body control and just how well they know how to control their speed already uh, is, is, is great. You know, and it, it's actually it's, it's pretty pretty impressive to see. You know, some of these guys, they get in and out of the cut so smooth, and I'd just be looking like, man, I wish I could get out of my cut like that. But, you know, everybody's different. You know, you have to kind of – I had to learn to kind of control my speed a lot more than the normal person um, to, you know, where these guys can, you know, kind of get into their their breaks a little different than I could. But just to watch them de- develop and how they are now just honed in on their skills, their skill set, you know, these guys are definitely coming into the league a lot more prepared, a lot more ready than I would say um, – just 10 years ago when I was coming out. Yeah, Jacoby, that was what I wanted to ask about because it wasn't the easiest position to transition to from a college wide receiver to an NFL wide receiver, but now you're starting to see a lot of early success. Is that have to do with the training? Is that have to do with seven-on-seven? It's more passing in college. What what would you really kind of focus in on and say this is the reason why you're seeing so much early success? Um, I think these guys are just – these guys are just built different, and it's just always – it's just so much more now. Like from when I trained – we we have 20 times more um like supplements um actually a meal plan my meal plan was well, i went to duffy's uh, when i was coming out our meal plan was duffy's right up the street believe it or not uh, we we were in a we were in a, a level we were in a gym um with with just like a with, with just two lanes of, chur- of turf we had a woodway that we would unplug and and incline it all the way up so that would kind of be our that would be our shred mill until we ended up getting a shred mill so you know we had to innovate our we had to we had to get kind of inventive in our side, but like now they just have so much more stuff, and these guys are just coming in ready to be playmakers. And you know the game is just coming to them a lot a lot faster, and you know everybody's pushing for these younger guys to come in and contribute. And when you see guys like Justin Jefferson come in his rookie year contribute, you know it just kind of just makes those guys just keep keep going. Jamar Chase came in off of taking out for so long, and just contribute. Like when you can contribute as a, a rookie young guy. You know, the, your market value goes up, mm-hmm. uh, and you help your team elevate, and you definitely help your team win. And I think that's what these guys are coming in to do. 
What would you tell your pre-draft self now that you have the wisdom and experience of playing in the league? Like something that that you struggled with or took you a while to figure out that if you would have done so earlier, that would have given you a little bit more of a leg up somewhere else. Um, I think I would probably tell myself um, working harder than you did. Um, one thing, I, one thing, one of my coaches did tell me when I was first, when I first came in was uh, never get complacent because just because you're having a good year, good good game, good, you know, good time right now doesn't mean we're not looking for the next guy to come in just as good as you or not better. Um, and that like kind of set it with me. So for me, I would just definitely tell myself to never get complacent, always be a student of the game. Um, and just, you know, learn, you know, never be afraid to learn from a young guy. Um, that's one thing I, I would say. And then when they taking it back to the pre-draft interviews, do the teams that they tell you, hey, this is how we're thinking about using you or and also along that lines of this is how we want to use you. Was it already stressed pre-draft about, hey, special teams is going to be somewhere that you're going to be used by whoever drafted you? Uh, no, I mean, that, that was just um, out of bonus, I feel like, uh, for me, because that's why I wanted to make sure I went to the senior bowl and, and things like that just so I could show them that I could be an actual real receiver because in college it was kind of uh, kind of handicapped a little bit uh, for me just because I, I I think I just ran a lot of reverses, a lot of bubble screens, uh, just because that's the way that our offense was kind of kind of back then. Um, it would definitely were not spread out the way that we were. <laughs> and then, you know, I had a monster back there with C.J. Spiller in the backfield. Uh, so that was a big help. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I was able to show, showcase my skills in that. Uh, senior Bowl on the one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens, just going out there competing, being a smaller guy, competing with these guys. Uh, that was something that I always just had a chip on my shoulder. Again, we're talking with Jacoby Ford, former Raiders wide receiver here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Do you ever kind of look at the offenses that are going on in college right now and say, boy, what I could have done in that offense? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do I? Uh, <laughs> so much fun. It, it's College football is so much fun to watch. I, I love it. I'm not even just watching Clemson. I mean, I watch. I watch everybody. I watch everybody, and I just I love to just see I love to see the game. So I love to see how different it is, how fast these guys play. Like Tennessee, I've never seen a team play that fast. Right, I've never seen a team play that fast, and they put a whooping on us this year. But I, <laughs> it was just impressive just to see how fast they play. I was like, they can't go that fast, but they really do. And yeah, the tempo these guys play at, and um. Yeah, I mean these these guys are a lot bigger too. Whenever they they're so much bigger than what we were coming in, like they're they're just they're just ready. Uh, these guys are coming out and they're ready. And you got to and you have to be ready because now you're going into a grown man sport. Uh, it's where it's a business, and you know, the college the baby stuff is out the way as soon as you get into the league. So that's one thing that you know I definitely would also tell myself uh, definitely be ready to be a professional in the league um, than what you were in college. You know, you mentioned Tennessee. I wanted to ask about Hendon Hooker. I know he tore his ACL towards the end of the season, and that stunk. I thought he could have been a guy that would have been in New York, you know, talking about the Heisman Trophy. But what did you think about Hendon Hooker? And you know that offense that he came out of in Tennessee. How is that going to, you know, translate? How, how Do you think it's going to be kind of a slow learning curve for him to translate that to the NFL? No, I don't think, I don't think his mental will be, I don't think his mental will be, be um, rattled at all. I think his game will translate over very well. He's just going to have to learn wherever he is and get his body physically ready to just get back to being Hendon Hooker or how he was. But I think that he's going to be successful whenever he does get that chance. When you're an athlete, you're living your life according to somebody else's clock, and you better not be late. I, my coach has always said if you're on time, you're late, and you're kind of on the other side of it now as a coach. But do you still have those mini panics or nightmares about being late to practice or a team meeting? Because I sure <laughs> do. Uh, I don't like being late to, to anything, actually. Uh <laughs> 
any appointments, uh, any anything that I have to be on, it's just kind of drilled into me because yeah. I still will never forget. I I almost I was late to the bus uh, one time with the Raiders and boom, fine right there, ten thousand. I was like, oh my gosh. Whew. They let you on the bu- bus though. They let you come along. Yeah, they let well, me get good. on the bus. We were going to an event. They didn't leave me. They let me get on the bus. <laughs> that's good. Some coaches might leave you behind. And just well, say, well, they, hey, they the collected 10000 yeah, at the I gate, mean, so that's I not, a bad, that's not a bad consolation for them. You're fine. We're good now. All squared away. <laughs> yeah, we're good. But, but, but Cable talked to me, though. He ended up, you know, I was never, I was, li- I was honestly never late. And I literally overslept, just somehow just knocked my alarm off in my sleep. And I was like three minutes late. And he, you know, he seemed to panic in me afterwards. And he told me, he's like, hey, that's a, this is your one mulligan. So nice. He definitely bailed, he definitely bailed me out on that, but they definitely took the check. <laughs> yeah, the one mulligan, but we still gonna take yeah, that yeah. Hey, look, I'm still need you to run me my money, but it's all right. <laughs> so something else I wanted to talk to you about is you mentioned that Tennessee offense and how you haven't seen an offense that fast in college. How do you think that transition will be for a receiver like Jalen Hyatt, a speedster in that offense? But then you hear same things when you hear the criticism about Hendon Hooker. How is he going to translate to the NFL? You also hear about his receivers. Or do they know the route tree? Do you, is it is that extensive level of a jump, or even for yourself, where in college you're known for being a speedster? but learning that NFL route tree? Um, no, I mean, I think, honestly, every receiver knows the route tree. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> I mean, you have to. And if you don't, that's that, that that's that's not good for, for you coming in. Um, but he actually was down here for a little bit with us. And, um, you know, just got, to, just got to see him move around a little bit. And, I mean, the, the kid is fast. Um, <laughs> and I think that they will be – I think they'll be – I think they'll be fine. You know, people are going to question whether they're – kind of offense. This is my thing. Michael Crabtree is a prime example. Mm-hmm. They didn't think his game would translate into the NFL, and it did. Um, because Just because of how Texas Tech was. They just throw the ball 60 times a game, and you know they thought that he would just do like little slants here and there. But no, he came and he was a very, very, very productive receiver in the, in the NFL. So I, I just think it's just where you get a good fit and uh, how well they use you to your skills. And that's something that I think that a lot of these these offensive coordinators are doing well. You know, they're using these guys to what to their best of their abilities, what they do well, and not what the coaches just want them to do well. No, I'm going to try to play to your strength. Again, we're talking with Jacoby Ford, former Raider wide receiver here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I just got a question from one of our listeners about when do you think the Raiders will get a kick return for a touchdown? Since you're the last guy to do it as far as a punt return goes. I got, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a playoff run in me. If they need me to come back, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, we we almost had we almost had one this year, man. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I'm always rooting for it, um, but you know, it's it's still cool to just to be just to be relevant. You know, still just just for that. Uh, you know, so I definitely appreciate it, and you know, it's always grateful. But we definitely need one. We, we definitely need. We need. To, you know, what we need to do. They need to bring Coach Fossil back. They need to bring Coach Bones. Fossil back. Bring back Coach Bones. Because he's over there at the Cowboys making them look good on special teams, uh, and they're risk takers, man. And I honestly, that's that's my that's my favorite special team to watch because I know him. I know how simple he makes the game, and he makes it fun. And the guys, you can just tell the guys always love to play for him on special teams, and that's just something that you don't uh, you don't hear about. No, you're right. And Bones is a very, very well-respected uh, special teams coach in the NFL. I mean, he everybody talks highly about Bones Fossil. That's a, that's a good one. Jacoby, we'll close out on this. Last time we talked, it was right after you had the halftime performance. You were a young Cliff Branch. It was at Allegiant Stadium. It was amazing. People still talk yeah. to me about that. I don't know if people still talk to you, but people still be like, hey, you remember that halftime performance when Jacoby did this, that, and the other? Like, yeah. I mean, how cool was that now that you sit back and think about, you know, just everything that you did in that, that performance? 
Oh man, it was awesome. <clears throat> you know, they actually sent me a they actually just sent me like a a big picture frame of uh it's two pictures in it and on the left side is Cliff's picture doing the thing where I hold the ball up where he held the ball up. Mm-hmm. And right on the on the right side, it's me doing it just, you know, reenacting it. So wow. just to be able to have that and you know, I had my own relationship with Cliff and uh, you know, that means a lot. You know, I had the jersey and everything here, so and I never had one. So, you know, that was just another way of him just letting me know that he's good and um, that I'll be good. And, you know, he gave me a jersey somehow. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Well, Jacoby, thanks so much, man, for uh, hitting us up and, and sharing a few minutes of your time this afternoon and telling us uh, your draft stories. And it's next week, and there's going to be a lot of guys that dreams are going to come true when they hear their name called and that phone ring from one of these teams around the league, including the Raiders. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. No problem. I appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely. There he goes. Former Raider wide receiver Jacoby Ford. Man, it's great to catch up with Jacoby. Real good dude. Doing some really good things right now. But, again, I go back to that performance that he had at that halftime, you know, being being the young Cliff Branch. And I remember sitting in the press box watching it. It's like, I'm sitting there, Lindsay, and I, I'm like, man, who is that? And I didn't know. I was in the press box, and so we didn't really know. And I guess they made an announcement late in the game that that was Jacoby Ford. But I had already walked away to, I don't know, sure. go to the bathroom or whatever I was doing who knows me with the tension that I have, you know, so I probably <laughs> just missed it, but I didn't realize it until like the next day everyone's like, no, Q, that was Jacoby Ford, but such an awesome performance. And to be able to do that and honor someone as great as Cliff Branch, who obviously wasn't here to smell the roses when he went into the Hall of Fame, but just yeah. to honor him like that, I thought that was that was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And a, and a guy that has seen many sides of the game and so can offer a really yeah. unique insight to what these guys are going through now and what they're about to embark on as their NFL journeys. You know, we should have asked him. We ought to call him back and uh, ask him about racing DeMond in the parking lot. Cause DeMond, what? How do we not lead with this? I know. Why, why me? Stories. Because the, this is what happened. See, you see how he's playing dumb now? Wow, no, why me? No, no, We no, were in no. the parking lot, Lindsay. We had gone to what? The Lazy Dog one night? Yeah, the Lazy Dog. You the Lazy Dog. Yeah, me too. Shout out. We yeah. went to the Lazy Dog one night and, uh, you know, we may have had a couple beverages. And I'm a, very, I'm a very competitive type person. You? And so DeMond started, he started bumping his gums. He started talking some trash. Bumping my gums. So then I was <laughs> like, all right, well, I said, all right, well, let's go. Go ahead and let's let's go ahead and lace it up, man. Let's have a, a race right here in the parking lot. He's all right, cool. So we're literally standing like this, you know, at the, at the starting line. I'm in the blocks. I'm ready. I'm You're in, the, in blocks. the blocks. Yeah, man. I'm about to. I'm about to get my. Uh, Who dropped the handkerchief? Who said go? I don't even. It was Jared. Oh, was it? <laughs> Jared said go. Was it Jared? I don't know. I was going to say, you can't call I think, it yourself. I think, it's it, like, I think it, was, yeah. it, was J- it was Jared, it was and Jared he did, yeah. The, All right. Well, yeah. Lindsey, let, let me just tell you. Damon is still in the blocks. He never got He's out the blocks. The I wasn't block. about to race this I'll old man in the parking lot of Lazy Dog. And the old man smoked him. You know I never smoked him. You know okay. what I really like about Damon is that? that he's down, even if it means him making or making himself look dumb or losing. Like you're always down. I love that. <laughs> the highest compliment. Thank you. <laughs> you go boxing. Resident idiot at your service. <laughs> that's exactly what she I said. Think that's amazing. I think people that are willing, you're like, yeah, let's just see what happens. Those are the best type of people. Yeah, you know what? Dust it up with this Brian guy. Will do anything. Yeah, yeah, you know what he did though. You know what else he did? What? That was real dumb. Going back to the he'll do anything, he tried a dollar steak from the dollar I know, store. I was going to loop back to that, but I didn't want to set off our listeners. But then again, engagement is high. There you go. <laughs> he must have been, too, when he went and had a dollar well, steak. <laughs> it is the day, is yeah, it not? Today would be the this day. Is a, this is a day where the dollar steak is acceptable. because you're It just ain't acceptable in my house. In Look, I'd rather, I'd rather pay for the, the full <laughs> meal deal and, and get angry at myself for it spending that money later. okay? Unbelievable. <laughs> Throwing out the question. We want to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R. Don'tbebroke.com, text line. Also, 702-365-9200. Where do you think the big surprise will come from in next week's draft? Like, what team is going to cause that confusion, that chaos, that havoc? 
Who's going to muck it up? Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Chimes. Play the chimes. Q's on the clock. What do you got, Q? With the seventh pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. No, 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 and more no. You, you, my boy, Blue. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 251 is the time. That was just a little bit of Fitz and Harry from ESPN. They're on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, but it's obviously ESPN National. They can follow Greeny. They had me do their mock draft, be part of their uh, their Fitz and Harry mock draft. And at seven, I had the option of Anthony Richardson, Christian Gonzalez, or Will Levis. I didn't have to trade up for him. I didn't trade up for him, Lindsay, as you look at me side eye. We have gone astray from our conversation a couple of weeks ago. I thought we had our head on straight. We did, but... But you've been tempted. He, Yeah, I mean, temptation is a mother. Uh, <laughs> They, that Gives you life, that's for damn sure. I mean, commercials are there for a reason, right? I mean, look, he fell to me. It wasn't like I, I had to trade up to go get him. I help myself. Well, I mean, that's no. I, I've, I've said that you, before you in like life. You Gonzalez, too. That's your cornerback pick, is it not? Witherspoon is cornerback one for that's, me. That's, okay. CB1 so for that's, me. Okay, okay. And he got picked one pick before. So, so that but, was enough to scorn and at, say, yes, let's absolutely. go rich. At some point, though, we'll play the whole segment because Jason Fitz hated the pick. Harry Douglas was good. He was with it. He was with it. So at some point, I are on the same side. All right, he well, doesn't know it yet, but he will. Uh, I'm, no, I'm sure he probably already does. He uh, he he let me know. He sent me a text and said, uh, "We gonna fight, and this is on you." I was like, "Okay, oh, there it is." So <laughs> there is that. We'll get into that at some point. Also, we'll continue with our own little mock draft we have going here. Unnecessary roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. Mike Debate, host of Locked On Patriots, will join us at the top of the hour to make pick number 14 for the New England Patriots. But let's go out to Texas, the Lone Star State. Talk to our guy Tim. Welcome to the show. Hello, how y'all doing? We're blessed. How are you, Tim? Okay, I'm being nice, but um, <laughs> I told y'all that Houston was going to throw a wrench in that sucker. If, if Houston do not go up there, I mean, if Houston doesn't get uh, Stroud, the Raiders have got to do everything. I don't care what they give up. They got to go try to get Stroud. They have to go try to get Stroud. But I knew that Houston was going to be the one that threw a wrench in it because uh, Stroud has the same agent as uh, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. and I don't. I just. I think. I think that's the main reason. I don't think it's really got anything to do with Stroud, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But um, um, and um, with uh, Jacoby Ford, I was going to ask you a question. Didn't y'all say that he did like a? Uh, a documentary or something like that with Cliff Branch because I've been trying to find it but I can't find it. It's on Raiders.com. Yeah, and thank you for the call, Tim. Yeah, it's on uh, It's on Raiders.com. That's what we were talking about kind of at the end of that last segment when we were talking to Jacoby was at halftime after Cliff was a Hall of Famer, uh, Mark Davis and the Raiders did a fantastic job of honoring Cliff Branch and so Jacoby Ford, uh, let's see, Fred Belitnikoff, Jim Plunkett, m- many others all came together for a hell of a halftime tribute. You've got to go to Raiders.com to look for it. I- I'll-, I'll look for it in the commercial break to find the exact location of it for you so we can tell you where to go like Raiders.com slash this slash that da da da. You'll tweet it out. I'll tweet it out. That's you got a, followers. I, I got a couple. I don't got no blue check no more. Well, that's a good thing. I ain't got no blue check. Stars upon thars has taught us how to handle this guy's Dr. Seuss. It's all good. I, I, apparently. Apparently. So we'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, Tim, it was really good and I didn't even know the first day when it actually happened when I was sitting in the press box that it was Jacoby Ford that was playing the role of Cliff Branch. But let me tell you, when it comes to running like Cliff, 
looking like him, he played the role. It wasn't like he was just some dude that got out there and ran fast. Right. They just he, showed the jersey on he him. He looked authentic. I mean, he really looked like Cliff. It was fantastic. I thought it was one of the better uh, you know, halftime shows I had seen there. Just just a tribute in a, in a very long time uh, for anyone. Let's go out, hustle out to the phone lines real quick, and talk to my guy, Brother Marquise in the 305, repping Miami one time. What up, my man? It was good, Q. How you doing, bro? I'm um, blessed, brother. Hey, a um, couple things, uh, all regarding um, Anthony Richardson. You know, uh, a lot of people, obviously, he's a polarizing figure. But for me, you know, and, I, and I will go on, I'll say I love C.J. Stroud as well. But for me, you know, if, if you're Denver, if you're another team, who scares you more? You know, if, if the Raiders draft C.J. Stroud or the Raiders draft Anthony Richardson, that's one. And the second thing I was going to say is that, you know, I feel like it's, it's the best teams in the NFL, they take risks. You know, Josh Allen was a risk at seven. Eagles taking Jalen Hurts when they had Carson Wentz, that was a risk. The, the Chiefs pulling a draft, pulling all the way up in the draft to get Patrick Mahomes is a risk. When are the Raiders going to take a risk? When are they going like to do it. that, make a play? The last time they did that, they went up, took a flyer on a guy like Rich Gannon and traded Jeff George, and look how that worked out. I think it's time for the Raiders to take a risk and, and roll the dice, man. I love it. Great call. Brother Marquise of the 305, rep Miami one time. Let me tell you this, man. Todd McShay, I'm glad you mentioned that. Todd McShay, he just had a pre-draft conference call number two the other day, and we have a really good soundbite. We won't play it next because we got Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, coming up at the top of the hour. But at around 3.15 our time, obviously Pacific time, we'll play this soundbite about taking quarterbacks and how he basically said teams should take a quarterback every other year. And he'll tell just you why. Just to have somebody in rotation. Just to have him in rotation. Yeah. And exactly what Brother Marquise just said, because you never know. You could take a risk, and it could work out really well for you. So, Brother Marquise, mm-hmm. thanks for that call. 2.56 at the time. Coming up next, we'll get pick number 14 in our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft. Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, will join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.